You're listening to the Pursue God Men's Podcast, the official channel for biblical manhood at PursueGod.org. Find resources to talk about it with your family, men's group, or mentor at PursueGod.org forward slash men. Okay, John and Thud, today we're finishing up our Seven Deadly Sins series. We're finally going to get to the last one. We're going to talk about the sin of sloth. I can't wait. This will be a fun one. But maybe, maybe John, we should start by addressing our listeners, because probably some of the guys are feeling a little beat down by now. You know, they've, they've recognized, like Thud's even admitted, man, every time I come to, the, to this next podcast, I, I thought, oh, this one's fine. I won't have to deal with this one. But every single time you get convicted, and I, we just want to remind our, our listeners that conviction's good. It, it, conviction is different than condemnation. And so if you're feeling convicted, join the, join the crowd, because we are too, even as we talk through these. Conviction's good. It comes from the Holy Spirit. But condemnation isn't good. Condemnation is, is you know, when, when you feel like people are pointing the finger at you and making you feel shame and guilt, that's bad. Conviction's good. So, so let the conviction come, um, but, but don't allow that condemnation to beat you down because, you know, those who are in Christ, are, we're new creations. We're free. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, his grace and forgiveness are bigger than any of the mistakes we've made in these areas. And I'm right there with Thud and, and any of the listeners who are like, holy cow, every single one of these is an issue for me. And, and a couple of them, I would imagine you're surprised that they were an issue. You know, that there was probably a few going into it that, that I bet our listeners were like, yeah, you know, that anger is going to get me or, or maybe for them it was lust. And all of a sudden, you know, week after week, you're going, oh, wow, I struggle with that too. But as Brian said, you know, you're a new creation in Christ. He's given us his Holy Spirit. Uh, his word says that the spirit gives us the power and the desire to do what pleases him. So, you know, we just press forward and, and press in. Yeah, like we talked about, I feel beat down every week when I come in here. Like this is another one where I thought, man, I am a driven man. I have purpose in my life. I've I, I I'm always busy. And I was talking to my wife again this morning about apathy and sloth, and we were talking about like, this is another one I don't deal with. But when you really dig in, man, this is right right between the heart again for me of talking being an apathetic father at home, apathetic. Um, leader of my of my wife that leads over to work sometimes and for me how burnout can now change that uh that purpose and that driven attitude i've always had into sloth so i'm excited to see how this conversation goes today and hopefully it will be a a little more uplifting maybe at the end of it but i don't think so we'll see well okay so now we're we're good leaders good job guys because now that we've built up our listeners now let's go ahead and just tear them down because we, because now we're gonna say all right so it, conviction's good condemnation's bad but listen guys the american church and i boy i believe this the american church is filled with slothful men and so look you are going to feel some conviction. I hope you're going to feel some conviction if you're listening to this. Young men, old men, we we have churches, and John, I know you're passionate about this in your church, that there are dads who don't take God's calling on their lives to be the pastor, because that's men are called to be the spiritual leaders of your homes. We've talk, talked about that on this podcast. That's why we created the podcast. We want to talk specifically to men. You know, we don't John, when we get up and preach at our churches, we don't 
just preach to men, but I know we have men in the back of our minds for a lot of our sermons. I do. I love to, to before I preach, I love to stand at the back and, and pay attention to the men who are there. And I, uh, it breaks my heart to see men who are not engaged, at least they're there, but they're not engaged. They're hands in their pockets. They're, they're not involved in the church. And, and it's one thing not to be involved in the church or to be just on the fringe of the church. It's another thing to be on the fringe in your home. Men are called to be pastors in their home. And most men don't take that call seriously. And I think this is one of the reasons I, th- I would classify that under sloth. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. We're going to talk about, you know, so many aspects of this when it comes to sloth. But I just want to warn you, now that we've we've built you up, I'm going to warn you, this one might be tough. It might be tougher than you think, because sloth is a, is a sin that especially, I think, the enemy wants to target men with it. And it's it almost seems like in our schools, in our culture, it's you see this with young boys even. It's almost like this is part of Satan's strategy. It's part of his tactic to get young boys to be lazy and to, and to feel like they, you know, they, all they have to do is play video games all day long. I think a big part of it is just the priorities that we have. You know, we've, we've bought into the lie of the world because there are dads who, I mean, they are driven. They, they kill themselves to provide financially for their families, to make sure they have all the toys, but they're absent emotionally and spiritually when they walk in the door. And so it's a matter of priority, right? They, they've bought into this lie that you're a good dad if your kids have new shoes and, and, and not just new shoes, they got to be the right shoes, got to be the cool shoes, or you know, you're a good dad if you get to take that big vacation two times a year. Now, you're, you're a good dad if you are teaching your children to love and honor Jesus Christ. And if you're modeling that yourself, I mean, we, we want to make sure that we're, we're talking about dads who walk the walk and don't just talk the talk. And I, I can imagine it's scary for a young man. I do think, Brian, there's an agenda by the enemy, and I think the enemy is using culture to just cause young men in particular to be fearful. You know, they're, they're, they're reprimanded if they try and step up and lead. They're reprimanded if they don't. I, I can see why, for a lot of young men, it's attractive to just disengage, to just be slothful, and to immerse themselves in a world where it's safe. So whether that's, you know, video games or, or just surfing social media, surfing online, and, and we know all the dangers that can lead to, I, I can see why that would be attractive for young men. And I would just remind our listeners, especially the young guys, God has called more. And, you know, sometimes I, I'll just confess, sometimes I don't think it's fair. You know, I look at the, I look at the calling God has put on husbands and on men, and, and sometimes I don't think it's fair, but God is good. God is just, he's all knowing. And if that's the order that he has for, for men to be the leaders in the home and to be the leaders in the church, then I can trust him in that he's got a purpose in that. Yeah, I completely agree. And we've talked about this numerous times about how the American media also portrays men. You see them as two things, right? You see them as lazy and not part of the home and the wife's doing everything, or you see them as driven at work, uber successful wall street broker, you know, that brings home for the family and that's all their job is. And that's the world's view of success, right? That's what the world says. But 
this book tender warrior for me is by Stu Weber was just foundational in my life about being purpose driven as a man. And and one of the greatest quotes I found in this book is when we talk about worldly success, he states, you know, the measure of a man is the spiritual and emotional health of his family. A real provider has vision for his marriage that bonds deeply for sons with character as strong as trees and for daughters with confidence and deep inner beauty. Without that vision and leadership, the family struggles, gropes, and will lose its way. And we see that so many times. And we talked about what the measure of a man is and what the goal of the man is. We're under orders to lead. But so many men, and if you said, especially I see it in the church, so many people just go along with life or let other people lead or let their social media lead. And you know, what's funny is that's where I can become apathetic toward them sometimes. You know, that's our job too, is to take those men under our wing and mentor them and encourage them and be enthusiastic about them and lead them. So this is, this is a good one. This is this sloth, this apathy, this complacency. This is the lie that Satan tells so very well in this country. You know, I can hear our listeners saying, oh, here we go again. This is the seventh seventh time now I've gotten to hear about the seven deadly sins. And all all God is trying to do is to keep me from getting the most out of life. He just wants me to not have fun. That's what that's what God, that's why he doesn't want me to have lust. That's why he doesn't want me to have envy. That's why he doesn't want me to have pride. But I, I think this last sin proves the opposite. The, the sin of sloth proves that God actually, his whole heart is to give us a full life. His his whole purpose is to allow us to enjoy life to the full, and that's why sloth made the list. Because sloth sloth is is where you kind of really. Uh, we should probably start with a definition. Is sloth is is really giving up on life and relationships. Sloth it might look like laziness, but really it's this word we're going to talk about a lot. It's it's apathy. It's complacency. And Jesus, the reason Jesus hates it so much is because he came to give us a rich and satisfying life. John 10, 10, one of my favorite verses, Jesus said, the thief's purpose, he's talking about Satan. Satan's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give people, including men, including young men, a rich and satisfying life. That's the opposite of sloth. I believe part of our design is we long for purpose. I think that's part of being created in the image of God and and all people, men and women are created in the image of God. And when we feel like we don't have purpose, you're not living a rich and satisfying life. Like I can guarantee you that any, any young man or older man listening to this who feels like they don't have purpose in their life, I'll guarantee you they wouldn't describe life as rich and satisfying. I remember hearing a story one time about these prisoners in a Jewish concentration camp in World War II and they were ordered to move dirt against the wall of the camp. And they thought it was going to be for a building project. And for the first time in months, the, the men in this camp had purpose. They had, they had something that they were doing. So they're, they're moving all the dirt over. They think they're getting ready to build. And once they get all the dirt moved over, the Nazi guards say, now turn around and put the dirt back where it was. It was a purposeless exercise and I don't remember the exact number, but somewhere around 80% of the, 
of the men prisoners who were part of that detail died within just a couple of days to a couple of weeks once they realized there was no purpose in moving that. There was just, they just gave up. So the devil wants us to be apathetic. Like he wants to rob us of the joy that we experience when we're engaged in the lives of others. So I, again, I do think there is, there is an agenda that the enemy has to cause us to be apathetic. And I, man, I've struggled with this all the time. Um, you know, my, my role as a pastor, I, I have to be engaged like all the time. Um, and I, I don't complain about that. I understand it's part of the role. I'm, I'm always looking to have conversations. I'm always looking to, you know, to ask people how they're doing, to pray with people. And so one of the, one of the threats for me that I have to be really careful of is when I get home, home is kind of like my refuge. And so then I just want to disengage. I've been engaging all day. I've been engaging for 50 hours this week. I just want to veg. I just, you know, and, and so now the people that I love the most, the people that I care about the most are, they're on the, the losing end of that because I'm, I'm apathetic sometimes when I get home. And that's, you know, it's been something that's been a battle for, for several years for me. Yeah. I fought that very same thing several times. I, I lead constantly. I lead it, I lead at work. I lead it in the church and I come home and do the same thing. I don't want to lead at the house. You know, I'm tired. I want to, I want to, I want to, I just want to veg, just like you said. And I think that that is where we talk, we can talk about this a whole nother time, but the, the, the burnout, you know, make sure we're resting properly. God, it's a whole nother podcast on how to rest properly. And, um, I am not good at that. And that burnout for me is what leads to the apathy, whether it's each, each and every day or through long periods where I'm, I just get to the point where I've taken on so much. I'm not using setting proper boundaries. I'm just taking on everything. I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's the other way around. I'm, I'm driven so much that I can take too much on my plate. And that, that causes me to become apathetic to some things because I burn out. I, I, I have no more energy. And, you know, I, I think about a time in my marriage, we call them the seven dark years in which, uh, we had a sick child. We weren't sleeping right. Um, I was deployed constantly. My career was going, was skyrocketing. I was in starting to get a lot of leadership responsibility. And there's seven years in our marriage where we just kind of did life together. And that's not what God calls for, calls us to do. He wants us to enjoy life. And so it was only after several men pointed it out to me that said, Hey, what are you doing with your family? What's going on? And then my son got sick to the point where I had to focus on him. That was a blessing. I had to focus on my family. I had to say, career, you're going to wait. And, you know, that's that valley in which God used to reset me and my purpose in life. And he sent the book, Tender Warrior. He sent men in my life to surround me and to mentor me and keep me on focus and on mission. And again, we've said it many times, guys, you got to have a mentor. You got to have someone to help you look from the outside. But it's, it was my failure of leadership that caused the family to do that. It was my apathy. It was my misplaced um, purpose in life and that to me when I didn't think I had problems with sloth um, that hit me wrong is when I become apathetic to everything other than what God has called me to do and that's the devil trying to confuse me and make me apathetic toward my family which is my primary ministry that's where it should start and end and uh, with my wife and I a lot of times forget that 
Yeah, really. So this this deadly sin can grab any one of us, even type A guys like the three of us. You know, I was I was just going to ask you, Thud, do you see sloth in the among the fighter pilots? Because it seems like those guys that that personality profile would not be prone to sloth. But like you said, even even for you guys, it can happen because you can be distracted. You can get apathetic toward the real stuff that, you know, you can be so focused on work or some of these other things that you're into that you, you're you missing your real responsibilities. And so, so sloth for you guys might look a little different than sloth for maybe the maintenance guys at the wing or, you know, we, I mean, we, we talk about this with with government workers, it, a lot of times in the government sector, there's not a whole lot of motivation. So it's probably easy to just kind of log in and log out. And, and your lifestyle at work uh, really is marked by sloth. And, and this is this is the opposite of what God wants for us. You know, the, the picture of genuine faith, of, a, of real followership of Jesus is not of monks hidden away in their monastery. Some guys might think of that when they think about Christianity. They just think of monks hidden away, or maybe they think of a pastor that they knew growing up who was, who they couldn't, whom they couldn't relate to. But that's actually not the picture of genuine faith. It's 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 actually a picture of men engaged in the world, men like being warriors. Step. I mean, the early Christians, the early disciples, all of them except for John, were martyred for their faith. They died for their faith. That's the opposite of someone who is just disengaged from his family, from his world, from his church, from his mission in life. And I, I, I just wish we could recapture that. That's part of the reason we're doing this men's podcast is we want men to understand that, that God is calling us to step up and be engaged, be engaged in our world. We're not called to be monks. I would imagine some of the guys are thinking, yeah, but I'm, I'm just one guy. You know, Brian, look at look at what's going on in culture, man. We even if I engage, what's it really going to do? I, so I think sometimes our apathy is driven by a sense of pointlessness. What difference is it going to make? And and I think many of the men and women in Scripture could have had those same thoughts. I don't know if they did, but certainly, certainly Elijah had it. Right? Elijah was like, "I'm the only one left. <laughs> Just take me now, Lord." And and I think if we were engaging the battle in our own strength and our own power, that might be true. But as believers, guys, we've been sent out under the power and the authority of the King of Kings. And and so if he commands us to go and if he commands us to engage, he's going to equip us and empower us to do that. And I, I mean, it's a secular movie, uh, but you guys tease me for talking about foreskins on an episode. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about a secular movie too, but <laughs> you know, gladiator is one of my favorite movies. And there's a line early on in that movie where Russell Crowe says, what we do here on earth echoes in eternity. And there's, there's way more truth to that spiritually than the writer of that movie probably ever thought about that, mm. that the way we engage with others and the way that we share the gospel has ripples throughout eternity. And obviously God's doing all the heavy lifting. You know, God's the only one who can save anyone, but he uses us for whatever reason in God's economy, he's chosen to use his people to, to have an impact on the kingdom. So have that mindset guys, be excited that God can use one person. And, and if, if you just led one other person to Christ and you help them grow in their faith and mature and go full circle 
man, what a rich life that would be in a lot of ways, right? If you even just led one person to Christ. Yeah, we've all watched movies like that and we get just inspired. I mean, I remember, I love Gladiator. And I watched that and I I just want to go out there and do something huge. I want to, and that, like, that's what God, that's what God wants to stir in our hearts for his kingdom. Hebrews chapter 11 is the, is the hall of fame, the faith hall of fame chapter where the author talks about all these people from the old Testament and, and how they had faith. And here's how he ends that section of scripture. He says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the other prophets. By faith, this is the good part, verse 33, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice. If I had a good gladiator voice, I would do this right now, but I don't. Received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of their sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Man, if that doesn't stir you up, men, young men listening to this, like God calls us to that kind of life. That's what a rich and satisfying life is all about. It's a life that is filled with purpose. It's a life that's not just focused on, I mean, to think about all the sins we've been talking about, the sin of lust, the, the enemy is trying to get you to be so focused on your carnal desires that you are that you have no purpose in life anymore because you don't feel like you can. You feel you're living in guilt and shame and bondage and addiction. And so lust leads to sloth. It, it keeps you on the sidelines. Pride gets you focused on yourself. It leads to sloth. It keeps you on the sidelines. Envy, we, talk, we just talked about. Envy gets you, it's no good at all. It doesn't do anyone any good. You're just so focused on what somebody else has that you don't have. And what does it do? It keeps you on the sidelines. So in a sense, all of these sins we've talked about, kind of what happens with all of them is that they they lead you to this place where you are ineffective. What's the word? I mean, we might as well talk about it. Impotent. You're impotent. That's what it is. Like you can't, you're, 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 you're useless. Yeah. I think that gladiator quote is perfect, especially where it's put in the movie, right? It's just the beginning. He's driven. He's, his whole goal is to get through this battle with his men and then get back to his family. Right. And then his whole world comes crashing down and you see, you see him lose his family. And then you see a man who is empathetic for the next 20 to 30 minutes of the movie. He's just kind of walking along. He's just kind of going thing. He has no passion. And I think that happens to all of us in some way. We, either we get, we get hit with something at work or we get hit with something in our lives. For us, that's the seven dark years we had was there was so much going on. We were hit with a sick child and you just became empathetic. But it, it, it required me to say, Lord, I am wrong here. Forgive me, repent of that sin, and then step up and, and step out like Jesus called us to as leaders. And you see the same thing in, in Gladiator, right? Even though I think his sense of purpose is misdirected, it's not toward the kingdom at all, but he gets a sense of purpose again, and you see the passion come back. You see him leading the men again. You see his purpose in life. And I think that as long as we keep our, that, that focus right in what God's called us to do, we we give the, we keep our focus on leaving a legacy of the Lord. So we we talk with our family a lot that um, 
in a in a couple of, in a couple of generations, couple of decades, no one will know my name, right? So when when I pass, no one will know my grandfather. But he left the legacy looking to the Lord, and that's what we need to do, right? Pass it on to our children. We can impact one person. We can. We're one person, right? We can impact our children who then love the Lord and who impacts their children. Or we can, if we don't have children, we can mentor one person who then goes out there and um, impacts the kingdom, who then goes out there and makes a difference for the Lord and the kingdom. So when we say a lot of times, we, I'm just one person, I can't make a difference. You know, look at the Gladiator movie. He was one man who made a, a, a lasting legacy change. We can do the same thing in our families or with our friends. Thud, what is it? What would complacency look like in a fighter pilot wing? I mean, maybe maybe this will this will be a metaphor for men that will help them to understand this. Because what if you had a bunch of fighter pilots in your wing that they were all just apathetic? Yeah, it's funny. Um, on every sortie that I brief as a flight lead, uh, we talked about things that can kill you. Right? We talked about uh, G lock. We talk about the threats. We talk about the missiles that could be out there, the enemy. But the number one killer of fighter pilots is complacency. And uh, we say, every time we say complacency kills. And if you're not ready to fly today, don't fly today. And so we, we require, we require that they have a hundred percent focus every time they go up to fly, because what we do is serious and things happen fast. If your mind's not on the right spot, you can find yourself hitting the ground, especially if you're down low or hitting another airplane or just doing something stupid and getting behind on your G strain. So, or, you know, not flying your instruments properly. Like, you know, you've done a thousand times because you've, you've done it a thousand times. I, I've been guilty of flying instrument approaches from complete memory because I've done it so many times, but today may be the day that the weather changes or they've changed something on that approach or they put a crane up and I didn't take the time to, to look at that. I will say probably three quarters of those that I, that I've lost in my career that have been around me, the fighter pilots have been to complacency. They've done something where they've done it a thousand times and it's just easy. Or, you know, they were up late last night and, oh, I've done this a thousand times. They weren't putting the proper focus into the sortie or they didn't study or it could be a thousand things that they didn't do because they let their attention be dragged somewhere else. Another one we call is called channelized attention. We get so focused on one thing that we forget about what else is going on in the rest of the world. So those are the two big things I brief every time is complacency kills and don't get channelized. And so I, we look at that in the world. I'm so guilty of that in my career. I'm so guilty and going, Hey, I've done this. I've been at the same base for 15 years. We got this run cruise control, or I've been married for 30 years. I don't need a date night with my wife or my kids are grown. Now I can't continue to mentor them. We just got to look to make sure that we're always on purpose. We're always on focus. And that's when God gives us the joy. I got to see my kids this last 4th of July weekend as adults interacting and loving on each other. And that's joy. So we got to keep our focus. 
we got to keep focus on what's going on. And I am so guilty of be the first one to say that I get apathetic and I get complacent. And we're not saying that, I mean, I love your, your call, Brian, to do something. You said amazing, something big, right? Something important. And, and we're going to have some opportunities to do that, but it's just being faithful in the little things, right? I think, I mean, do you see a need? Do you see a need in your neighborhood? Do you, do you see an injustice? Do you, do you see an area where God is calling you to step in or step up? I, I recently put out a, a request to our youth group. Uh, we've got a, a lady at our church who's going through cancer treatment, and she needed some help maintaining her lawn. And I was so encouraged. I mean, I wish it would have been more, but one young man reached out and said, man, I'd love to mow her lawn for her. And I talked with her yesterday. I called, I called this lady to check in and said, Lori, how you feeling? How you doing? I prayed. I said, Hey, do you need someone to come out and do the lawn again? Has it been a while? And she said, no, he's been coming every single week for the last two months. Hmm. I'm just, that's so cool. I mean, you know, that's not going to be in the paper. That's going to be in the news, but this young man, he's not apathetic, man. He's not slothful. Like he's engaged and he's doing this for someone that outside of, they attend the same church and, you know, they, they have the same faith in Jesus Christ. They probably don't have anything in common. <laughs> you know, she's late fifties, early sixties. He's a, he's a 17 year old young man and he's doing it strictly because it's the right thing to do. And, and he wants to be engaged in what God's doing. And man, as a pastor, it just gets me excited and I'm sure his dad is jacked. Like I'm sure his dad, when he sees that, is going, "Hey, we're, we're doing something right," you know. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's finish by just getting practical and talk about that. You know, the solution, the antidote, and really the antidote to sloth is, like you said, John, it's to purposefully, purposefully engage in the world. And we, you know, if we go back to that Hebrews passage, we read that inspiring section at the end of chapter 11. And then chapter 12 starts like this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, right? So he just, the author just gets done talking about all these great, you know, this, this faith hall of fame from the old Testament. He says, what the, it's the picture is almost like kind of like the gladiator. Like we're in this, this huge amphitheater and everybody's, everybody's watching us. All these people who went before us are watching us. He says, so since we're surrounded by this huge crowd, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. We talked about this, how these other sins can lead us to sloth, like just giving up on it. Like we're, we're beat, we're whipped by sin. And so why even try? And the author here is saying, no, try, let us run with endurance, the race God has set before us. And he says, we do this by keeping our eyes, our eyes on Jesus, the champion. I love that language, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So it's like he started it and he's also going to perfect it. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, and then you won't become weary and give up. So, you know, the author is telling us Jesus is our ultimate example of a person who lives out his life with passionate purpose. And that's, that really is what we were talking about at the beginning, John 10, 10, this rich and satisfying life is when we get in the game, we stay in. The, I love the imagery there is we're, we're in, we're on the field. We're on the field. We're not in the seats. We're not the spectators. We're in the game. 
Yeah, if anyone is cynical like I can be sometimes, they might have heard that passage and go, wait a minute, how is that rich and satisfying? Because <laughs> Paul uses words like, let's strip off every weight and let's run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Maybe there's some guys like me, I'm not much of a runner. Like I have a rule. I don't run unless there's a ball involved or someone with a weapon is chasing me. Those are the only two reasons I'll run. <laughs> but, but it's because of the joy set before us. You know, just like Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before him, there is, and there is so much joy when, when we're engaged, you know, just, just yesterday. And maybe it's because I knew we were going to have this conversation, guys. I don't know. But God in his goodness, nothing's coincidence. I have a, I have a young man at, at our congregation who's going through cancer. And I'm trying not to take up too much time with this, but he asked if he could lead a class about what Jesus has taught him about healing. And as I asked him more questions, it it sounded like he wanted to basically kind of preach a prosperity gospel that Jesus always heals, that people just need to have more faith and they need to pray more. And so I said, man, I'd love to sit down and talk with you because I don't, I don't think we're seeing the same thing in scripture. And he, he didn't receive that well. He um, said, I'm done coming to this church. I'm not coming anymore. Uh, you know, and I, I just, there was a part of me that just wanted to be done with it. There was a part of me that just wanted to be like, all right, well, you're clearly in the wrong. And um, and I just couldn't do it, though. God just kept saying, no, you need to love this guy. You need to you need to engage in this. So I reached out last week and and he he ignored me, didn't respond. I reached out later in the week, still crickets. And I was about to give up again. And then I thought of Paul, where he says, as much as it's up to us, live at peace with others. And I'm like I haven't done everything I can to live at peace with this guy. I got to try one more time. So I sent him a text and he responded and we, we ended up having, I hate to communicate by text, but that's just the way he chose to do it. We had about a, probably an hour and a half text interaction yesterday. And, and there was, I wouldn't call it full reconciliation at the end. Like we still don't see eye to eye. Um, but I felt so much better at the end of that, knowing that I had done everything I could to, to, to reconcile with this young man, knowing that I had stood on truth, but I did everything I could to really hear him. I really wanted to hear his perspective, really wanted to hear his point of view. And in fact, I, I had misheard him a little bit. He wasn't saying exactly what I thought he was saying the first time. So I was so thankful for that. And I had a sense of peace and a sense of joy last night that I guarantee you I would not have had if I wouldn't have engaged with that young man. So, so even though they might seem contradictory, you know, these ideas about running with endurance and stripping off the weight, it may not sound like a life that's filled with joy, but it, it really is. Yeah. I'll say, I'll again, I'll back, go back to, my, back to my kids, right. When they were growing up and they're fighting and they're arguing and we're, you know, taking the time to explain to them the why and discipline them properly you get tired and you're like, what's the point of all this? And then you, you, I get the chance to see them as adults. And that's when the joy is you see their love for the Lord. It may be, it's not the instant gratification that the world's so used to It's a lot of times it's that delayed gratification, but that delay and that race you've run 
can just give you so much more satisfaction, such a greater win than if you try to figure out what's going on or you just quit, right? So keep running that race, gents. Yeah, one of the ways you can, you know, we've, we've talked to dads and husbands, engage with your family, engage with your wife and kids, engage with your siblings. And, you know, I, John, I think back to the very first episode on our men's podcast, we talked about how to use the Pursue God resources to engage with other men to make disciples. You know, if, if you're, our, for our listeners who are followers of Jesus, if you're a Christian, Jesus has a vision for your life. He wants you to disciple somebody. So like we've been saying this over and over, but we, let's just say it one more time. Men, if, and even young men, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not walking with somebody, you know, maybe using these podcasts as conversation starters, going to the men's page at pursuegod.org. If you're not walking with somebody and investing in somebody, whether it's a son, whether it's a friend, whether it's a, um, someone at church, then I think you're really missing out. I think you're missing out on the heart of Jesus for people. It's not about being a fighter pilot. It's not about being a, uh, you know, owning a business necessarily, or just, you know, establishing a great legacy in your life that more than two generations are going to know your name. It's not about at the, at the end of the day, the greatest thing you can do in your life is to make a disciple is to help one person pursue God because, because that'll impact a person's eternity. That'll impact their eternal, eternal life, their eternal destiny. That's the greatest thing you can do in life is to, is to help one person pursue God and I always like to say this, the second greatest thing you can do is to help another person. And then another per the third grace is to help another person. So whether that's your kids, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your friends, whether it's a family member, the enemy wants you to feel like you can not, you cannot make a difference. The enemy wants you to feel like you are not qualified to help someone else know who Jesus is. That's really the enemy's ultimate goal. Jesus's ultimate goal is to introduce is to introduce people to the love of to his love for them and to the kingdom of God. That's Jesus's ultimate goal. The enemy's ultimate goal is really simple. It's to keep people from knowing Jesus. So he uses sloth really to to accomplish this. He gets us he gets us to feel like we we aren't qualified, we don't know enough. Um, we're too sinful. We've got too much, we've got, we've got too many problems of our own. He uses video games. He uses pornography. He'll, he'll use whatever he can to get you on the sidelines rather than in the game, helping someone pursue God. So really at the end of the day, the best way to fight sloth is to look around you and say, I want to invest in somebody. I want to disciple somebody. You know, John and, and Thud, we use these men's these men's resources every Saturday to disciple guys that we've got a, a thriving men's group at our, at our church. And I love it that most of the guys in that men's group. Now, most of those guys are discipling somebody. Most of those guys are walking with another guy, at least another guy. Some of these guys are discipling three and four guys. It's awesome to see that to me. I think that's one of the, one of the greatest antidotes to sloth. And I really think guys, it's what brings ultimate fulfillment. You know, I've, I'm mentoring four different guys right now, very regularly. And then a couple more, a little more sporadically than that guys that, that I used to mentor consistently. 
and and have kind of set them loose to mentor the next guy. So I still connect with them, but not as often. And and there's just something about watching a guy catch this vision, about watching a guy get engaged with his family, get engaged with his wife, get engaged in his community, and and knowing that God used you to be a part of that. Again, you know, God gets all the glory. God's the one who's doing all the heavy lifting. But to know that God is able to use a broken guy like me to to impact other men, uh, it's so fulfilling. It's so fun. I mean, it's it's fun to do. Now it's hard. You know, sometimes sometimes it's messy and and you're living life with these guys and they're going through tough things. And, you know, that that's part of it too. I don't want to make it sound like it's all gumdrops and lollipops, but man, it's worth it. It's it's so worth it. So if you're a believer and you're not engaged with your family, especially start there, start there, start with your family, start doing a devotion night once a week with your family. If you're not doing that, start on, on the drive to school. I remember for my two boys, I drove them to school most mornings because they had early morning practice. And I was a, I was a coach at the time. I would send them a link to one of the pursue God topics on Sunday. And on either Monday or Tuesday, we would talk through that week after week after week. And that was some of the most precious times really that I had. Um, so do it, get, get started and do it. Thought I thought we could maybe finish this episode giving you a chance to sing a song. How about you sing <laughs> cats in the cradle to us? What do you think? Man, that's funny. Uh, yeah, that. uh, no, I'm not going to sing that you, you'll be, you'll, every subscriber will leave and you'll never come back. Man, what a, I was thinking that the only way to work this morning, what a song that impacted me more than anything as a young child was Cats in the Cradle. And if you hadn't heard it, I, I, it still bothers me today to listen to it. And um, we, we have a choice. We can either be that father that says, hey, we'll get together soon, soon and it'll be great then, or we can make it great today. And what a blessing it is to see uh, an opportunity when opportunities present themselves and you get to take that opportunity and you do something for the Lord, how the Lord just blesses you and how you'll be blessed later. And it is that joy. It's a peace that passes understanding. It's a joy that only God can give you. And what an amazing opportunity and blessing we have to mentor someone else, to take action, to be a leader, to stand up for your family, to be engaged, to be living for the Lord and not being on the sidelines. So that's it for the seven deadly sins series. And again, if you want to access all of these resources along with discussion questions for your men's group or for a mentoring relationship, or even just for, you know, fathers and sons to have a conversation about it, you can find it, uh, the seven deadly sins series at our men's page, pursuegod.org forward slash men. And John, where are we going next on this podcast? Well, next next time you hear us, we're going to hit, I would guess, maybe one of the most controversial topics in culture today. We're going to talk about God's design for gender. I don't know why it's so controversial. It seems to me it's pretty straightforward that he created the male and female, but that's we, we want to help guys think about it biblically, and we want to help men. I mean, this is just what we're talking about, men you should be engaging with your kids about what God's word says about gender because they're hearing stuff every single day. And if you're not inputting truth, that they're going to be swayed. They're going to be swayed by what culture is telling them. So that's where we're going. And then 
I think after that, Brian, if we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, probably we'll uh, do this book study. Um, Thud mentioned the book Tinder Warrior. That was also a very, very impactful book for me. Uh, that same author has another book called Four Pillars of a Man's Heart. Those two books, extremely powerful to me. And so I think we're going to spend some time on, on those books moving forward. All right. So, man, we'll see you next time.